We are Pixie and Ogre. This is an intersectional LGBTQIA plus friendly podcast led by two lesbians living in the sticks of North Carolina. We discuss topics that support our values, including pro-Black Lives Matter, pro-trans and gender non-binary, and pro-sex work, among many other topics. Pixie is me, Mel. I hold a master's degree in clinical mental health counseling. Ogre is Laura, who has no degrees or licenses, but just likes to hear her sarcastic fat ass talk. Good afternoon, it's Mel or Pixie. Hey, and it's Laura or the Ogre. <laughs> and we are doing a movie review today because it's officially spooky season. It's beneficial for a couple of weeks now. And Bloomhouse Television came out with four new movies that were supposed to be scary or edgy or psychological thrillers, so we decided to watch one last night. Yes, and we watched Evil Eye, um, which came out on Amazon Prime on October 13th, and it's directed by Alan and Rajiv Dasani, and it stars Sunita Mani, Omar Masaki, Muscati, and Sarita Chowdhury. Um, so already I was pretty impressed by the non-whiteness of it all. That was the first thing I noticed. Loved it. I really did. I loved the, there were several scenes that were uh, rich with Indian culture yes. and Indian clothing. And it was just a, kind of a, brush, a breath of fresh air to see a different culture being normalized. Absolutely. And I really enjoyed that part of it. I think that's why I like Jordan Peele movies so much too, is because having people of color in horror movies as the main characters, not just as tokens or side characters or... The one that gets killed first. Exactly. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I mean, we had watched these trailers weeks ago before they came out, but I didn't want to rewatch it. I was just like, this is on our list. Let's just dive in. Let's watch Evil Eye. Right. Um, so it takes place in both Delhi, India, and New Orleans. And um, just a little synopsis. So I'll give you the synopsis on Amazon Prime and go through that saying, but I'm going to say it, full disclaimer, lots of spoiler alerts. So if you plan on watching this and you don't want to be spoiled and you want to listen to this after, go ahead and click off and we'll still be here. We're not going anywhere. But the prime um, synopsis of the movie is a superstitious mother is convinced that her daughter's new boyfriend is the reincarnation of a man who tried to kill her 30 years ago. And that detail does not come out until more than halfway through the movie. So I'm really surprised that Prime decided to give it all up in that synopsis. But well, I think that it, it, it was compl it's complicated, and the whole movie is, um, you know, the mother and the father are Indian, they live in, in Delhi, while their daughter is living in New Orleans. Correct. Um, and the, the movie starts out with the mother being really, very aggressively pressuring her daughter to get married. Her yep. daughter is 29, yes. and she believes that if her daughter turns 30 without getting married, then she's going to be cursed and all of these bad things. And Correct. So the movie starts out with the mother, like they they bring it up first thing that the mother is so superstitious and she, at the altar where she prays, she has this big um, evil eye. That's right. And she insists that her daughter wear one um, on her wrist. That's right. And 
Yeah, it's kind of aggressive um, how superstitious her mom is and how, how aggressive she is pressuring her daughter into finding a man. Right, and every conversation is tempered with this, you know, I have another Indian man to introduce you to who's visiting in New Orleans, and that's how this actually kind of starts. So her mother sets her up with yet another Indian man who's visiting New Orleans, as the mother says, because there's no Indians that live in New Orleans, which was interesting. And um, uh, Pallavi is her daughter's name, or Palu, as they call her endearingly. And she is waiting in a coffee shop for this person, and she meets or sees from across the coffee shop another Indian man that she kind of hopes is her date, but kind of knows it's probably not likely. And he approaches her, his name is Sandeep, and they kind of hit it off and she leaves the coffee shop with him and they start up a relationship. Right, and that, that was that's the interesting part of the movie. That was the easiest part of the movie. Mm -hmm. Throughout the movie, the mother is having these weird flashbacks that's that right. we can't quite figure out. And we really don't understand what they are. No, we see a man approach her on a bridge and in Hindi, he's yelling at her to come with him and she's refusing. And then we do see flashes of images of someone drowning and then someone getting their head hit on the concrete barrier on the bridge but it's all very quick and these seem to come up when um they kind of coincide with the mother's migraines they coincide with like at one point she was chopping vegetables and cut herself and that kind of like brought her back to this flashback and when palu tells her mother that she's dating a man that she met on her own named sandeep patel who is a successful tech guy in New Orleans, I think we all thought, including her daughter, that like this would take the pressure off. But her mother becomes very preoccupied with who is this person, Googling him, hiring a private investigator, just it went the other way. I think we all thought like, isn't this exactly what she wanted all along? Like she's on, on the way. Right, and not only did she want her daughter to marry, but she wanted her to marry specifically an Indian man, mm -hmm. which I can understand. And um, once her daughter met and was falling for and started dating Sandeep, I, that's what I thought too. Like the mother was going to be happy. Right. But instead, she went like the other way with being aggressively <clears throat> cautious, wanting to know everything about him. And then as details came up about him and and he seems like a really great guy in the beginning in the beginning and there's there's no warning signs there's no red flags that we can tell he's very nice and supportive and um, well seemingly seemingly and but the, the mother basically loses her mind over this she does she struggles with it quite a bit she becomes very worried that sandeep is too good to be true and on Sandeep and Palu's one-month anniversary, he gifts her very extravagant sapphire earrings. And Palu is like kind of taken aback by them and, and says it's quite generous, but I can't accept this gift, which <laughs> I don't think I would refuse a gift. I, I probably would be like, this is too much as I'm putting them on. But, um, you know, she has integrity. I don't. That's fine. That's fine. Um, and he seemed put out that she didn't, ex I, I kind of saw like, 
I kind of saw the mask coming off a little bit in that in that moment because he seemed he seemed put out. I was getting a very like controlling like that seems like a a controlling manipulative maneuver to kind of pull out. Yeah, but what was interesting about it was the scene before that, he had been telling her about his ex-girlfriend. That's true. Who That's true. He kept saying that she wasn't she wasn't who he thought he, she was. That's right. And that so when he gave her the earrings and he he did look really put out and that I thought he was going to get aggressive or violent at so that point. So I. did I. So I did really I. did. But he explained to her that he was used to his ex-girlfriend wanting gifts to show appreciation. That's right. And so he wasn't understanding why the gift wasn't received well by Palou. And for a moment, because I had the exact same thought, I got really nervous that he was going to yell at her, like act out in some way, but he did the opposite. He actually like talked about his feelings and explained where he was coming from and it it seemed to kind of smooth things over, but I still just had like this gut feeling. This icky feeling. It didn't feel good. It was definitely icky. Yes. 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 But the whole movie was kind of like a jig, not, not even a good jigsaw puzzle. I felt like <laughs> there were huge pieces that just were not connecting. Like the mother's flashbacks were never talked about. They were never, you know, we had no idea why she was freaking out about this, this her daughter dating this man. Right. Well, and then her flashbacks that in the beginning had included kind of like the bottom half of a person that I think we all assumed was a man, but the face and upper half was never shown. Like someone was in water, but as she learned about Sandeep and started to express her worry to Palu, I think, oh, I don't think, we started to see that vision being Pallavi drowning yes. was, was her vision. And so her, her mother asked her, please, whatever you do, don't move in with him until you get married. Just blame it on me tell him I'm old fashioned and I won't approve of it, but just wait until you get married. Because now, I mean, this relationship is picking up speed. Yes. And it's almost like as soon as the mother says, if you could just wait to get married to move in, Sandeep starts dropping heavy handed hints about her moving out of her apartment, moving in with him, I guess, he was over and she didn't have hot water and he was like you don't have any hot water and she's like oh it comes and goes you know i shower at the gym when i need to and he was like this is unacceptable you should move in with me and of course palavia just told her mo her mother you know i had she agreed to not move in with him she had yeah i think so that's right but again this was another part of the the movie that didn't quite make sense is that she's She's shown going somewhere every day to work, and she talks about going to work, but it's never really understood what she does or, you know, any, anything like that. And so her apartment is small. We assume that she's, you know, making enough money, but, right. you know. Well, when Sa Sandeep doesn't want her to live in this tiny apartment anymore, he offers to rent her an apartment That's right. and pay for the rent and take care of her. And then he... 
he's offering to basically pay her bills so she can quit her job and stay home and write. And that's when, and this is like more than halfway through the movie, you find out that she wants to be a novelist, that she has a that's degree true. in writing. Yep. And she's, that was very disjointed. Yeah, it was just kind of thrown in there yep. all of a sudden. And so he does. He pays for everything and rents her an apartment, and she uh, quits her job to stay home and write. And this angers her mother. Well, her mother calls her in the middle of the day, and she's like, oh, I'm home, and actually I've moved into a new apartment, and actually I don't have a job anymore. It was like all of these, you know, things that happened so quickly. And I think the not telling her mother is telling in and of itself. And she also didn't tell her friends. Right. So there was, you know, her mother even points that out, like, you haven't told your friends? Like, that... Doesn't that seem strange? Right, right. You're either embarrassed or ashamed or you feel weird about it in some way that you're not talking about it. And what was interesting is I did like the fact that the movie did kind of shine light that you could be traditional in your cultural beliefs but also want your daughter to be independent because her mother was very concerned at how within just a few months her daughter had completely given up her independence. Oh, yeah. And she said that. She was like... You don't want to live that way. I mean, you you don't want to be beholden to this person and indebted to them. You know, you're you're giving up your independence. So right, and essentially she was. She really was. You know, like his offer was very nice and 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 you know, fantastic, um, almost unbelievable. But by accepting the offer, she did have to sell most of her independence. That's true. But it just. From this point on, it just kind of, it was like the writers were like, we, we need to wrap this up. So let's, right. how can we wrap this up and, and have it all make sense? And, you know, they might have been high when they wrote this because <laughs> it doesn't, Possibly. it didn't flow is what I'm trying to say. But so <clears throat> the mom's freaking out because she doesn't want the daughter to marry him. He proposes, she accepts the... Um, mother starts having like a mental breakdown yes and over in delhi and you know the she starts talking about this incident that happened to her when she was um i guess in her early 20s yes with her ex-boyfriend who tried to kill her and so we realize the flashbacks are her having a flashback of this man of this ex-boyfriend of hers attacking her on a bridge anyway he ends up she ends up pushing him into the river. He can't swim. He drowns. Correct. He dies. She kills him. She kills him. I, I don't think it was intentional. I think she was just trying to get right. him off Self-defense. of her. Right, self-defense. But the only person who ever knew this, and, and the moment that he drowned, she went into labor. Correct. With Palu. Right. She was eight months pregnant during this incident. Eight months pregnant. So she went to the hospital to give birth. So no one ever suspected anything. That's right. And the only person who ever knew what happened was her husband. And we don't speak enough about the husband. He was my favorite character. He was absolutely my favorite His character. His name was Krishnan, and he was so sweet. He was like such a ride or die for... Usha, which was the mother, and for his daughter, and just trying to, like, <laughs> keep the peace. And he was just so kind. He was. And, and also, he brought some humor to the whole movie. He did. He brought some much-needed levity at times. He did. Yeah. And, and he was very amusing. Um, <laughs> but 
And then all of a sudden, you know, the mom is recounting this horrible experience and she ends up telling her daughter about the whole experience. And the daughter's like, mom, you know, you're having some sort of a mental breakdown. You know, we, you need to get help. You need to go see a doctor. It did not land well. It, yeah, and, and the mom was. She was just kind of really fucking out there. At the same time, I mean, it definitely seemed like that was quite a traumatic experience. And what I needed more of was the curse and the birth charts that the mother was very fixated on. So the mother was very into horoscopes and very into matching up birth charts. And at one point she had asked for Sandeep's date of birth, time of birth, and place of birth. And she went to her horoscope guy, because who doesn't have a horoscope guy? Who doesn't? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I have several. Speed dial. (laughs) And she goes to her horoscope guy and he's like, look, uh, these birth charts are stellar. 10 out of 10 match. Like they're They're perfect for each other. Perfect for each other. And the mother just can't get over this feeling. Yeah. And she realizes in comparing those birth charts that Sandeep was born nine months after her ex-boyfriend was killed. Right. And again, I'm still not putting this together. So Sandeep gets on the phone and is talking to Usha, the mother. Correct. And he starts getting creepy. He starts saying some creepy things. Very creepy. And... That's when it starts to dawn on me. Maybe, maybe he is right. He's her ex boyfriend that she killed thirty years ago. What does it for Usha is he keeps saying, "Everything I do is for her own good," and this was a line that Usha's ex boyfriend, who tried to kill her, would say to her all the time after he abused her. Right. And that was, I think, the crux for the mother in in telling her daughter what was going on. And that's when, of course, you know, Palu was like, I think you need some help. I think you need to see a doctor. Because it's it's pretty, you know, it's it's pretty far-fetched. Right. So Usha, the mother, out of the blue, decides to get on an airplane from Delhi and fly to New Orleans. And she shows up at her daughter's apartment. But she doesn't bring her phone. See, now that, in, that detail just weirds me out. I can't go to work 30 minutes away without my phone. I can't go to the bathroom without my phone. I mean, let's be, let's be 10 real. feet away. You know what I mean? Like, otherwise, it's just time wasted in there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when else are you going to watch TikTok? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a good Facebook time. It, it's a good Facebook time, too. It, it definitely is. But she went to Delhi without her phone. No, she went to New Orleans without You're her correct. phone. You're correct. She left Delhi without her phone. <laughs> I was paying attention. I, I really you was. Were, you were half asleep. That's Mm-mm. okay. I will admit, towards the end, I did feel like I was hit with a tranquilizer dart, but I don't think that was exclusively the movie's fault. Eh. <laughs> so she gets on an airplane from Delhi to New Orleans, okay, without her phone, shows up at her daughter's apartment, and her, da- her daughter's not there, and uh, Sandeep is there. And... He, that's when you realize he starts getting really creepy with the mom and that's when you realize yes he is the ex-boyfriend who died reincarnated as Sandeep and how or why he found the daughter we'll never know because the movie didn't explain a whole lot so he tells the mother that she's going to do everything nice and clean and she's not going to let on that this is what is happening or he's going to kill Palu, the daughter. That's right. 
So he takes the mother back to his house where Palu is. And he's like, surprise, baby. Look what I got you for your birthday. Your mother. Your mom's here. <laughs> and yeah, so they have an interesting dinner together. And the mom is trying not to lose her shit. And yeah, it was just weird. And then after dinner, the husband got really, really weird. Sandeep got really weird. Um, when he started again saying, everything is for your own good, this is meant to be, this was fate. And we're also the worst movie reviewers ever. We forgot to mention follow up on the earrings. So the mom went through some album in like one of her episodes and found a picture of herself around Palu's age with the same sapphire earrings that Sandeep had given Palu for the one month anniversary. Had tried to give Palu. Had tried to give Palu. Right. And she showed up to this dinner wearing them. Of course, we don't know that at first. Because she has long hair. That's right. And we find out once Sandeep starts, you know, becoming a little bit more open with his creepiness. And aggressiveness. Yes. She, you know, puts her hair behind her ears and shows the earrings. And Palu's trying to piece it together. I mean, at this point, her mother has, has told her what she believes is happening, but... Most of us would find that hard to believe. Right. Um, and what I also needed more explanation on was this saying that kept coming up about Palu's grandfather being a commander. And I forget what Usha says to Palu to get her to go down on the ground. So When a commander says drop to the ground, you, you drop, drop to, to the, the ground. ground. And that's right. So Usha said drop to the ground. And right. And she did, and, you know, narrowly missed being hit or... So this kitchen battle ensues. It's kitchen mother, battle, that's a good kitchen way. I battle, like it. Yeah, and it's mother and daughter versus Sandeep. And, the you know, there's knives and hitting and pots and pans and so... Chili powder. Oh, my God, yes. Chili, chili powder, powder in the eyes. Oh, yeah, chili powder in the like eyes. Like a whole canister of it. That was a little over the top. But anyway, oh, I loved it. Did that you? Was, oh, my. I, I squeed. I went, squee! Just did, like that. Did you? I did. I must have been comatose at that point. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> so, mother gets stabbed. Sandeep gets bashed in the head. Several times. Several times with heavy, heavy pots and pans. I mean, it did seem like a double tap situation, you know? Yeah, I, if he's down, might as well hit him again, you I know? You gotta make sure he stays down. Yeah. So, um, end of the story. Mother, who's been stabbed, is in the hospital. She's gonna be fine. Daughter is fine. And Sandeep, we, he's alive. But we don't see him. And it was odd. A nurse comes in to talk to the mother, and he speaks Hindi for some reason, even though he's not Indian. Well, her, so Pallavi means first verse of a song in Hindi. And so when he learns that that's what Usha's daughter's name is, he says that. Okay. And she says, oh, you speak Hindi. So the mother and daughter talk for a few minutes and, you know, then the, again, the mother goes right into trying to set her daughter up. She's like, she, you know, gestures towards the nurse and she says, he speaks Hindi. And the daughter's like, oh, mother, you know. It's that just... was a little too corny for me. Yeah. That was, was a little too trite. Yeah. Like, you were literally just stabbed in the stomach about two hours ago or however long. Right. 
Right. You know, your husband just flew in from Delhi. He's on his way from the airport. If you could just like put a pin in that for a second. Exactly. Um, I will say I did like this part and I felt like, I felt like if this was the intent of the movie, I felt like there could have been more of this interspersed throughout because this line, so Palu, Usha is in the hospital bed, she's holding Palu and Palu's crying and saying, you know, I mean, I feel like this is all my fault and, you know, I don't know how to get past this. And Usha says, men like this will always be around. You'll teach your daughter it's not her fault, just like I'm teaching you it's not your fault. And I really liked that. It felt like a good feminist theme. But I didn't feel like that was present enough throughout the movie if that was the goal. I agree, because I feel like the mother, by hiding this attack that happened to her 30 years ago, by hiding it, not talking about it, that she was ashamed of it. And I feel like because it was such an important part of her life that she should have shared it with her daughter earlier. And I don't know, the whole movie just didn't make sense to me. I, I, I get the reincarnation aspect of it. And, yes. and I, I get that, you know, at the very end of the movie, again, we don't see Sandeep, but we hear a heart monitor flatline. And so we assume he's dead. Right, and, and Nurse starts calling codes. Yeah, and... there's a code blue in room whatever. And so we assume that's Sandeep. And then the very last image of the movie is a newborn baby. Um, I, I, so I, I get it, but I, there was just, I didn't feel like there was any kind of connection. There wasn't, and I, I felt like there was so much opportunity for us to explore the superstitious part of it more and explore the cultural aspect of it and spiritual beliefs. And it just, it felt very surfacy mm -hmm. for most of the movie. And I mean, I totally understand why the mother didn't tell her. I mean, she accidentally killed someone and then like no one really investigated it because according to the father, this guy had a lot of enemies, so everyone was just kind of like, big shrug, I guess he was God, you know? I would still tell. I would not, because I would be afraid, like, what if it came out that I killed this person? Prove it. I, I suppose, yeah, I mean, if it was 30 years I ago. I mean, if it's a cautionary tale, and it's a tale that will um, teach a lesson to my children for whatever reason, mm. then I want to share it. Yeah. You know, this is a part of my life that has impacted me for 30 years. Yeah. So I feel like it's important to to share that and to pass it on. Um, but even there was one part of the movie where the mother in her altar, she has this big evil eye. Yes. And at one point in the movie, after her daughter starts dating Sandeep, she takes the evil eye and she hands it to her husband as he's leaving for work. And she says, throw this away from me. And she gives him the evil eye and he looks at it and instead of throwing it away, he puts it in his uh, briefcase okay. and goes to work. And I didn't, it was an entire scene just about this. And there was no follow-up. There was no follow-up. There was no explanation. Right. And although I appreciated and I thoroughly enjoyed the Indian culture and I, I felt like there wasn't enough context that's right 
around some of the things to make us to help us understand. Absolutely. And and considering yeah. that this isn't a movie that was made by Bloomhouse for American audiences predominantly, that we need a little bit more Yeah, context. Context to and understand things in more depth. Like I mean, so there was one part where they threw a party for Usha and she blew out the candles and was literally like, I've spent too much time outside, it's time to go in. And there was this whole like subtext of she doesn't like to be outside that was never followed up on. Nope, never discussed. I, I mean, we had to draw our own conclusions. We had to fill in the blanks on our own, which I don't mind doing as a viewer if it's gonna pay off in the end. If it's, yes. if, if it's leading up to us figuring out what's going on or being completely like some twist that's going to really like, ah, cool, I'll fill in all the blanks, but there was no follow-up. I kept waiting for something to happen. Yeah. And nothing ever happened until yeah. the last five minutes of the movie. That's true. And even then it was kind of like, eh. Because we saw it coming by that point. I yeah. Mean, you know, the conversation between Sandeep and the mother over the phone kind of set the stage of like, yeah, this guy is definitely the reincarnated soul, but uh, you know, of her ex-boyfriend, but why, how? I mean, we're just gonna leave it as fate? Like, did this, was this guy involved in spiritual stuff that, like... He wasn't, he says at one point that he doesn't believe in any of that superstitious bullshit. Sandeep or the ex-boyfriend? Sandeep says it and the ex-boyfriend says it. Because according to the mother, the ex-boyfriend cursed her. And that's where this whole curse has come from. But we never see that in the flashbacks. No. Nope. We don't know if that's something that happened when they were still dating. Because keep in mind, this incident where the mother kills her ex-boyfriend, she is already married to another man. And she's pregnant. To Krishna. Right. And she's uh, pregnant with Palu. So he's been stalking her ever since their breakup, but there's no indication of when this curse is discussed. Was this discussed when they first broke up and he said, your firstborn is, is cursed or, I, you know, there was just a lot of unanswered questions. Right. And, and you say it's okay for us to fill in the gaps, but I feel like they were more than gaps. They were more than gaps. I mean, they were like crevasses. Very much crevasses. And, yes. Canyons and, at times. Canyons at yeah. times. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so it was very slow, and um, yeah, I, we're we're not one for slow. Our attention spans are not conducive to a slow burn kind of movie. No, especially something from when when I hear Bloomhouse. Yeah, if I if, whether it's Bloomhouse movies or Bloomhouse TV, I'm like I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I know that there's going to be a twist and a turn and yes. I'm going to be scared and I'm going to be laughing, you know, the whole gamut of emotions. But yeah, this was just slow from it, start to finish. It was, it, it, I agree. And like you said, the last 10 minutes, everything happened and then it just kind of wrapped up. And then as most movies do now, which is kind of, you know, it makes me eye roll. It leaves it open for a potential sequel. You know, with the whole baby being born right as Sandeep is coding. Yes. You know, and, and that just but kind of irritates me. Even if the ex-boyfriend did die and reincarnate as Sandeep, how or why did he, what, 30 years later, was he able to find the daughter well, of the woman? And he, Sandeep at one point says, Yes, all of a sudden I just remembered everything. 
So, I mean, that's bringing into the fact that when you reincarnate, so if you're someone who believes in reincarnation or not, that leaves it open that if you reincarnate after death, that at some point during that next life, you're going to remember your other life? That's true. I mean, I don't know any... I, I don't know anyone who, I believe in reincarnation and that just doesn't jive with anything that I've read or researched. Exactly. Or, or anything that I've learned about it. Exactly. I mean, I've heard of people having some memories or some flashbacks to right. something. Or that, dreams. Or dreams. Vivid dreams. Or, you know, feeling a connection to a place or a person that you've never met or been before. But, yeah, Sandeep was like, all of a sudden he just woke up and remembered that he was this ex-boyfriend from 30 years ago. So was it fate, karma that I mean according them to together? the birth according to the birth charts that's what I think the movie is leading us to believe that it was fated to happen because it wasn't like Sandeep was looking for Palu. Right. He wasn't. He didn't even know who she was. He he didn't. He knew after a time that they had been together whenever that time was that he all of a sudden knew everything. But so then one could argue like this was going to happen regardless whether her mother told her ahead of time mm -hmm. you know um maybe the kitchen battle wouldn't have happened if palu had been raised to understand that you know there's a curse well she was raised to understand that there was a curse on her she she did not believe that you know she kind of oh that's just mom being mom so if it's fate for this ex-boyfriend and I, I can't for the life of me remember his name i didn't write it down mm -mm. me neither so if it's fate that this ex-boyfriend is going to be with Usha, right? then at the end of the movie when Sandeep dies and is reincarnated as this newborn baby, does this mean that the cycle is going to keep going for the rest of their generational lineage? That's, I think, what the implication of the, you know, I'll teach you it's not your fault and you'll teach your daughter it's not her fault linemen is like it's almost like this generational curse or generational trauma which again these are all very interesting topics that barely got the surface scratched on right like i would i would love a movie to be more rich in the superstitions and the curses and you know the generational trauma that would be something i would want more of not less of yes but i but if you're going to make a movie like that, then I, I want the education to go along with it. That's true. I want the details and the richness of it and, you know, the inside scoop, if you will. That's right. You know, you can't just show me an evil eye and expect me to know what that means. Especially since it, it can mean different things in different cultures. I mean, I think we all know the general concept of the yes. evil eye, but as far as, you know, what to do about it, it's different, and so I would have liked more richness there. Yes, yeah. and when she gave the evil eye, when Usha gave the evil eye to Krishna and told him to throw it away, why? Was she done with it, or was she just wanting it out of her? Like, that didn't make any sense to me. Right, because, correct me if I'm wrong, I think by this point she was pretty convinced that Sandeep was the reincarnation of her ex-boyfriend. So wouldn't that have proven everything that she had believed this whole time? Yeah. Yeah. And, and had Paulo been married before her 30th birthday, would this whole curse cease to have existed? Like, no one talks about that. Right. Like, if Sandeep was fated to meet Paulo, 
what if she had gotten married when she was 27? Right. I mean, would he have met her and stolen her away from her husband? I or, don't know. You know, I it's, mean, it's just... These are, these are the questions that we want to know. So. Overall, it was a very slow movie. Agreed. I loved the Indian culture. Yes. And the richness and diversity. The non-whiteness. The non-whiteness was fantastic. <laughs> um, but... I think Mel has a scoring guide. Yes. So I decided when we review a movie or book or TV show or whatever we decide to review, we're going to have a scale of pixies to ogres. So one pixie would be okay, just okay. Two pixies would be good. Three pixies would be great. One ogre would be worse than okay. Two ogres bad. Three ogres terrible. So I'm giving it one pixie. It was okay. I wouldn't watch it again. I wouldn't recommend it. It wasn't the worst movie I'd seen. I would give it one ogre. So worse than okay. Worse than okay. Gotcha. Right. I mean, I, I enjoyed some of it. Right. But it was definitely an hour and a half of my time wasted, I think. And I believe you said before we started recording that if I had wanted to watch it again for whatever reason, you would be more happy just looking at the wall. Yes. Okay. So I mean, that sounds like a good place to end. Yes. So that's our review on The Evil Eye. It is available on HBO. HBO? Nope. Hulu? Nope. Amazon, Prime? Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep going. Wow. So I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, there we go. It's available on Amazon Prime. <laughs> Evil Eye. Thank you for listening, guys. Bye. If you are interested in sending us listener letters, asking for advice, sharing something unusual, or topics that you want us to discuss, send an email to pixieandogrepod at gmail.com. That's P-I-X-I-E-A-N-D-O-G-R-E-P-O-D at gmail.com. Thanks.